miss you this evening. It's nice to be home and back with you. Nice to see all of your faces. Amen. We're going to have a time of worship together and then have our brother Tim come and minister the word. And We have a baptism this evening. Sister Trinity, God bless you. We're so grateful for what, to see what God is doing in your life. But I want to sing an old hymn with you, number 858, Wider Than Snow, Key of F, Lord Jesus, I Long to Be Perfectly Whole. This is running through my mind, and I love it when we get to the end. It says, the blessing by faith I receive from above. The blood is applied, and I am whiter than snow. Amen. So let's sing this together as we just worship him. Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want thee The blood is applied. The blood is applied. 
you, Heavenly Father. Amen. Brother Gabe Florent, maybe I could ask you if you would come open the service for us in a word of prayer. Amen. There is a note about our sister Cheryl Goss was taken to her reward and passed this past Monday. So we're just remembering all those impacted by her passing, just asking that God would use this. And he does all things well. We know that he's in control. Amen. It's no more bound by chains of the flesh, amen, but enjoying a new body. Amen. So we're grateful for that promise. No other written prayer requests this evening, but we know there are many needs in the body. If there's something on your heart that you just like to lift before the Lord, amen, we know he sees every hand and heart. Would you come please, Brother Gabe? Thank you. God bless. Bless our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful, O oh God, to once again be in your presence, O oh God. We count it such a privilege, O oh God, just to be with brothers and sisters, O oh God, of like precious faith, Lord, where we can truly come into a place and cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, O oh God. We want to give you praise, O oh God. We want to lift up your name, O oh Father, for you are worthy to be praised, O oh God. You're magnificent, O oh Father. The things that you've done for us, O oh God, the love that you projected to us, O oh God, that we could truly lift up our voices and cry, Abba, Father, O oh God, for we're so thankful, Lord Jesus, to be called the sons and daughters of the living God, O oh Father, to be in this place, O oh Father, where we can truly just come, O oh Father, and pull upon the word, O oh God, and receive all that you have for us, Lord Jesus. Lord God, for there's so much more, Lord Jesus, to grasp, O oh Father. There's so much more to hold on to, O oh God. There's so much land to possess, Lord Jesus. So, O oh God, let us not fall short, Lord God, but let us press in to the kingdom, O oh Father. Let us press into all that you have for us, O oh God. Let's possess everything, Lord Jesus. Let, let us not leave one tone unturned, Lord God. And let us, O oh God, receive from your throne of grace and mercy once more, O oh God. We pray for the man of God, Lord, that has prepared, O oh Father, that has laid himself aside, O oh God, to bring your word in due season, O oh Father. We pray, O oh God, that you give him unction, O oh Father, that he'd come, O oh Father, and that his voice, O oh God, would not be his alone, O oh Father, but it would be joined to that of yours, O oh Father, coming from the unseen realm, O oh Father speaking things, O oh Father, that we need to hear, O oh God, that will prepare us for our rapture, Lord Jesus. For, O oh God, we are looking forward to that day, O oh God, when we're caught up with you, Lord Jesus. That's where our heart desire is, O oh Father. So, O oh God, let us lay aside any foolishness that is down here, O oh God, and help us, O oh Father, to focus on what is important, O oh God, and that is your word and your word alone, O oh Father. We're so thankful, O oh God, for the different ones, O oh Father, that are assembled here today, O oh Father, the different needs that are in the body, O oh God. May, O oh God, this be a place where everyone can feel that their burdens are being lifted, O oh Father, where their needs are being met, O oh Father, where their cry is being heard, Lord Jesus. So many ones with loved ones, O oh God, still stumbling out in the world, O oh God. Would you send the Holy Spirit after them, O oh Father, and bring them back into our midst, O oh Father, where we can rejoice in the testimonies, O oh God, of you turning a life back to yourself, O oh God. We pray, O oh God, for the needs, O oh God, that may have been unspoken, O oh God. Lord Jesus, we think of, O oh God, our precious sister Cheryl, O oh God. Lord, gone on to be with you, Lord Jesus. All those that were close to her, her loved ones, O oh Father, may they find peace and comfort in knowing, O oh God, that she's in a better place, O oh Father, rejoicing on the streets of gold. Lord, we pray for each one that may be sick in body, Lord. We pray for our precious brother EBA, O oh God. Lord, our precious brother Milko, Lord Jesus. Lord, different ones, O oh God, sister Norm Wood, O oh God. 
God. Lord, all those, oh God, that have a need within their body, Lord Jesus, you are faithful and just, oh God. Your arm is not too short to reach down and touch them even at this very moment. Lord God, so we hold them in our hearts, oh God, and we have faith believing, oh God, that we'll see, oh God, a full restoration. Lord, we pray, Lord God, and just come before you now, oh God, just to consecrate the rest of this service to you, Lord. May you be with our worship, oh God. May you come and, oh God, just anoint the man of God, and may we receive all that is that you have for us. Be with the baptism, oh God. May you fill our precious sister Trinity, oh God, with the Holy Spirit, oh God. And may all you just pour into her life, oh Father. Lord Jesus, more of you, oh God, we pray. We ask all these things in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be a Christian? Amen. God bless you. Why don't you shake the hand of the brother and the sister next to you. Welcome them into the house of the Lord this evening, and you may have your seats. We're not going to delay the service. We're going to invite our brother Tim to go ahead and come and take his liberty. We did have an announcement here that donation receipts will be available in the office on Sunday. I believe both the American and the Canadian are prepared, and any American receipts not collected will be mailed. So pick those up Sunday if you want them soon. Amen. So, Brother Tim, you can go ahead and come when you're ready. Let's sing together, Yet Not I, But Through Christ and Me. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? As Brother Tim comes now. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hold, my hope is only
stand together. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. The great shepherd is here. The victorious one, the mighty conqueror is in the midst of his people. Wherever two or three are gathered in his name. If you have a need, why don't you just hold it before the Lord? Heavenly Father, Lord, you see our hearts. You are the word that discerns every thought and every intent. We are living in a late hour. To the world, it is a very evil hour. To the elect of God, it is a very sacred hour. The culmination of your redemptive purpose. The full measure of your blessing upon the church. Bringing us into bride form. Oh Father, you see every heart, you see every need here on the internet, wherever it might be. Even now, Lord, may you just arrange your word the way you want it to go because your word, Father, it is spirit and it is life. And we just want to yield ourselves to it, both the speaker and the hearer, as we ask your blessing upon the reading and the speaking of it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 3. Greet you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And bring you greetings from Brother Aaron McGarry and the church in Phoenix, Arizona, where we were just this past weekend ministering. I believe God ordains things the way he wants them. I was there, uh, Brother Aaron had been inviting me for some time since last time I was there, and then um, it just worked out to be this weekend that we went. It just so happened that uh, there was a brother from Flagstaff, a pastor from Flagstaff that was in Phoenix that uh, Brother Aaron was quite uh, acquainted with. And he said to him, he said, why don't you stay uh, for the, the ministers, or not ministers, but for the brothers' breakfast on Saturday morning. So Saturday morning we had a breakfast and we're able to speak about missions and things that were happening on the mission field. One of the subjects that I spoke about was uh, translation and sometimes the difficulty of translation. And there is a language that has been added to the message hub just recently, the Quechua language. And it's a very difficult language to translate because to find a reliable translator to translate from English to uh, Quechua has just not been able to do. And so the brothers that are working on it, some brothers in Trinidad are working with some brothers in, I think it is Bolivia or Colombia or something, and, and they're actually translating from Spanish to Quechua, which is not something we like to do. We don't like to translate a translation into another translation. But in this case, we relented and said, all right, we'll do it with the proviso that when it is, uh, when it is done... Uh, when we find a good English to Kichwa translator, they will all be proofread again. And uh, so we have the first and the second chapter of the Church Age book up on the internet. Excuse me for keeping you standing. I'll let you sit down in a moment. But uh, while I was in the meeting, I sat next to this brother, Brother Steve, who is a pastor in Flagstaff. And uh, he asked me, he says, he says, 
what is that language you were talking about that was very difficult to do? And he said, I told him it was Quechua. He said, that's what I thought you said, Quechua. He says, I have worked with brothers. I've been to South America 26 times. And I have worked with the brothers in that language in Peru. He says, and we have translations in that language. He wasn't even going to be at the breakfast. He just happened to be in Phoenix on Thursday and Friday. And then Brother Aaron said, well, just stay for the breakfast, then go on home. Flagstaff's only a couple hours away, and he had to get ready to minister on Sunday. So God ordained it that he was in the meeting, that we were sitting right next to each other. And he was was telling Brother Aaron afterwards, he says, I just got goosebumps. I'm like, "I'm, I'm in the middle of the book of Acts. God is arranging these things. And putting it all together, and we give him all the glory. So he's already sent me uh, some, and he didn't, by the way, know these other brothers that were working in the Quechua language, and so he had already sent me now some uh, translations, and uh, we'll be uploading those shortly, and also I was able to connect him with the other brothers that are working in that language, and so now they can kind of carry on and cooperate together and work together, that the people, it's a tribal language, a very remote uh, tribe, tribal area in the hills and the mountains of Peru and Chile and Bolivia and Colombia, and so you pray that God will just bless those people. The Lord knows how to put it together, and we're just, we're just thankful that He's the one that's in charge. I'm so glad for that. Amen. So greetings from the saints down there, and, and certainly Brother Steve sends his greetings, and certainly they, especially Brother Tom and the ministry, they send their greetings uh, to you. And also Brother Biscoe, if he's listening tonight, um, there is always a great appreciation for Brother Biscoe everywhere we go. Matthew chapter 3. I want to um, carry on the subject of uh, the maturity of love, which I ministered last time. It's good to have it on a Wednesday night. Um, I don't know, Wednesday or Sunday, but uh, Wednesday can be a little bit more, uh, can I say, relaxed, or uh, some people say home cooking. I almost want to take it as a bit of a Bible study tonight, and so if you have your Bibles, just keep them handy, and I want to read some scriptures that... Uh, we are well familiar with. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16. Well, let's start at verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. In other words, John baptized him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." Amen. Now let's take and turn over to Matthew chapter 17, if you would. Matthew 17 and verse 1. After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun. 
and his raiment was white as light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man, save Jesus only. Amen. The Lord is blessing to the word. You may have your seats. Now in the first scripture, Matthew chapter 3, we find Jesus in the waters of baptism. When John was sent baptizing, and he even, John declares, he says, The reason I baptize is because the one that I met in the wilderness says, you'll be baptizing and there'll be one that comes to you. And and when you baptize him, you'll see the sign of the Messiah. You'll see the signification, uh, the Spirit descending and remaining on him. And this is the one that will baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. And so John was, wasn't just baptizing unto repentance, though that's what he was doing, but he was also baptizing because it was going to be a significant event, in that there was going to be one that, would, that God would signify, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased, or as Brother Branham says, the meaning of that is, in whom I'm pleased to dwell. I am pleased to dwell in this one. This one is my beloved son. And so Brother Branham says in many places, but I'll read it in a message called Why in 1961. He says, when he was baptized by John on the river of Jordan, John bare record seeing the spirit of God like a dove coming from heaven, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It went into him. The disciples and all watched him to see what he would do. They watched his life to see how he would act, to see what would take place. So now we find that this is the place in Matthew chapter 3 that the fullness of the Godhead came bodily in Jesus Christ. Jesus referred to him as my Father that dwelleth in me. Colossians 2 and 9 says the fullness of God dwelt bodily in Jesus Christ. And this in Matthew chapter 3 was the moment that God came down into his tabernacle, his son, his beloved son. I am pleased to dwell in him. These are not new things for you. These are elementary things. But if you feel so led to say amen, you're welcome. Now, in Matthew 17, we find a little bit different uh, of a scenario now. He's not in waters, but rather takes three disciples out on the, up on the mountain. We call it Mount Transfiguration. And he was transfigured before them. Now, in Matthew chapter 16, he had just asked the disciples, Who do men say that I am? And they said, well, some said you're this, some said you're that, where there was a multitude of opinion of how Jesus' ministry fit into the scriptures. But then Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, 
But my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. It's the spiritual revelation of the Word made flesh. And the revelation of Jesus Christ to Peter. And he said, upon this rock, the revelation of Jesus Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Amen? And so we... Now, now Peter had made that great statement in front of all the other disciples. And now here he is up on Mount Transfiguration. And immediately, uh, you know, they're not really understanding the picture that's unfolding in front of them. As he says, well, here's Moses, here's Elijah, and here, here's Jesus. And, and, and so Peter now is, is saying, oh, this is a great thing. And, you know, it's always Peter that pipes up first, even when he's wrong. And, you know, he had just a few verses before, you'll find when Jesus said how he must suffer at the hands of the Jews. And Peter, it was Peter that piped up and said, we're not going to let you suffer. And Jesus turned to him and says, get behind me, Peter. Or get behind me, Satan, rather. Thou art an offense, for thou savest the things of man and not the things of God. That was just after I give you the keys of the kingdom. So Peter was sometimes bang on and sometimes he was way off. And that was Peter, not yet with the Holy Ghost. But now here they are up on Mount Transfiguration. And to Peter, and, if, and no doubt to any of them that are Jews, and if we were Jews, we would look at it the same way. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. Three equal prophets of God. This is a tremendous thing. We didn't live in the days of Moses. We didn't live in the days of Elijah. But here we are in the days of Jesus. And God is signifying that Jesus is to be associated with Moses and Elijah. And and Peter says, let me build three tabernacles. Let us build three tabernacles as a representation of this totally supernatural experience that we have just seen. And a bright cloud overshadows them and, and doesn't say anything about Moses. Doesn't say anything about Elijah, but says, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. And that's significant. You'll hear as we get into it. But he's signifying something here. And I, and I just want to say, in other words, Moses wasn't the full picture. Elijah wasn't the full picture. But this one, my beloved son, he's the full picture. Amen. This is my beloved son. Amen. Jesus, it said, Brother Brown says in Rising of the Sun, he said, Jesus had told Peter and the apostles after he had the revelation of who he was, he told them, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He says, that's the divine revelation of the word made flesh. It was flesh in that day by the son, the groom, and it's of flesh today by the bride. All right? Now I took you up there and you all agreed with me. Jesus was the full picture. But now he said it was of flesh that day by the groom. But now, in this day, in that day, Jesus said, you'll know, I am in the Father, the Father in me, I in you and you in me. When we come to the fullness of the revelation, as, Peter, as Paul said, we now look through a glass darkly, but then face to face. When that which is perfect is come, that which was in part shall be done away with. It was a flesh that day by the bridegroom, it's a flesh this day by the bride. Now I was looking at this subject and and this statement, and I felt led the last couple of weeks to just look at a couple of words. One was potentials, and one was uh, the word beloved. 
And as, as Brother Branham dealt with these words, and there's many things of, of the 30-some pages of quotes that I got here that we can't have time to refer to. But, you know, God's love, I want to speak about God's love for a moment. And I realize it's really hard to grasp the totality of God's love. But if we could just understand a little bit, we could understand what he's saying by, this is my beloved son. God, we know, is love. The Bible says that in, in uh, 1 John, I believe it is, or 3 John. And furthermore, love is the greatest force that there is. All right, you with me so far? Divine love is the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is God, and God is love. This is that, Brother Branham was told on the other side, what you preached was the Holy Ghost. This is perfect love. All right. When you have the Holy Ghost, any Holy Ghost filled, born again believer that, that by which you have the Holy Ghost has enough power in you to speak worlds into existence and go and live on them. Because the power that's in the part of God that's in you is the same power that's in all of God. Because if God is infinite, the part is infinite. Amen. It's if the God is omnipotent, the part is omnipotent. So the power within the believer is unlimited. That's the Holy Ghost, but it's bound by a law. And that law is faith or revelation. And sometimes we don't realize that the church has been in the Feast of Pentecost down through seven church ages. And under the Feast of Pentecost, the baptism of the Holy Ghost has been the same. That is to say, the power that God puts in the believer has been the same. I could prove it by what Brother Branham said. But the manifestation has been different because the revelation has been different. The power of the Holy Ghost is only limited to the revelation that God will give you. Alright, so as much as God will reveal to you is as much power that will be loosed in your life. Remember, divine love is the greatest power there is. So as a believer, you have all the power that created the universe residing right inside you. That's hard to really grasp. That's really hard to lay a hold of. But that's the word of God. You have the unlimited power of God within you. And and as Brother Branham said, the Holy Ghost down through the church ages was bound by creeds and dogmas. In other words, man-made teaching restrained the power of the Holy Ghost. In some ages, they couldn't hardly believe that divine healing was in the Word. They'd say it was for the apostles for another age. But the promise of God, by my stripes, you are healed is a promise for every age. And the power of it lays in the Holy Spirit. But it's man-made teaching and man-made ideas that holds back the power of God because it can only be loosed by revelation. And then I'll go a step further and just to drop this in, revelation is only given to you according to the character that God has molded in you. But that's not our subject. If the revelation then is unlimited, then the power is unrestrained. This is Jesus. He walked by perfect faith in what the Word said He was. He walked by perfect revelation. 
in what the word said he was. So there was no restraint to the power of God that laid within him. He could speak and it would happen. Amen. He could still the storm. Amen. Calm the sea. He could walk on the water. He could turn water into wine. He could, he could uh, you know, heal the sick, raise the dead, open blind eyes. It was unlimited. Because the revelation was unlimited. And we know the fullness of God dwelt in Jesus Christ. But that same fullness in a portion in you is just as unlimited. Okay. Now, in studying divine love over the years, it's always struck me. And it never became as real to me as the last couple of days as I've been studying. But in studying the love of God, and as the Bible describes it. Don't you love the Bible? It uses in the Greek, this is your whole Greek lesson for this service. Agape, agapo, agapetos. You've, you've heard me use those terms before. So agape is love as it exists. It's the noun. Agapo is love as it is projected. It's the verb. And agapetos is the adjective or adverb. It's the object to which the love is projected. Okay? So now... So what we have here, agapo is the power. I'm sorry, agape is the power. Agapo is the projection of that power. And then agapetos is the manifestation of that power. All right? So you have love, the projection of love, and the manifestation. Or as I spoke last time, when love is projected... Sovereign grace comes on the scene and produces the result. That's agapetos, the result. And as long as God was alone with his thoughts, there was no agapo, only agape. There was nothing for love to be projected to. There was no angels. There was no human beings. There was no universe. There was no creation. There was no nothing. God was alone with his thoughts. He was Elohim, the self-existing God. But he was love. But love's not meant to just exist. You're not, in other words, you're not meant just to have the love of God in you. You're meant to be an amateur creator. You're meant to, that, that by the revelation of the word, the power of the love of of the Holy Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit in you, is meant to create. We could talk about creating an atmosphere. We could talk about the creation of God. But as long as it's just the love of God dwelling alone before there was any creation, his thoughts dwelt in love, but those thoughts could not come to the full potentials of what they were meant to be. But you are those thoughts. Jesus was the fullness of the attribute of God. Or the fullness of the thought of God. In the beginning was the Word or the Logos. The Word was with God and the Word was God in John chapter 1. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Is that right? That's what the scripture says. So then the love of God became flesh or Jesus was the manifestation of the fullness of the measure of the love of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. We're actually looking at this almost, 
I won't say differently, but more thoroughly than has ever been looked at in the church ages. Because of the revelation of the word of God, as God has taken the seals off of the book and revealed the fullness of the mystery, we stand in these last days being able by the grace of God to be able to behold the love of God in all the facets of its power. And that's what Jesus was, and that was what he manifested, and he was the firstborn among many brethren. All right, so now let me just read a little bit for you from the Church Age book. And I, and I realize I'm just moving along at a steady pace here. Brother Branham says, It's not the person that comes predestinated eternally from God. It is the word or seed. That is it. Way back there, too far back for the human mind to grasp, the eternal God with eternal thoughts thought and decreed, Jacob have I loved... But Esau have I hated. All right? So now let's talk about Jacob just for a moment. I'll come back to this quote. God, looking down through time, projected love to Jacob. And in projecting love to Jacob, if I could just bring it to its result, I could say that love projected to Jacob didn't make him a supplanter. He was born a supplanter. He was born Jacob. He was born in sin, shaped in iniquity, coming to the world speaking lies. But that love projected to Jacob brought him to what God saw of him. Your name shall not be called Jacob, but you shall be called Israel. Amen. So that love of God brought a manifestation in the life of Jacob. It wasn't the fullness of the manifestation, but it was the potentials that God saw in Jacob before the foundation of the world. And God projecting his love to that individual brought his word alive in his life so that he's not just a supplanter, a shyster trying to get through life by any kind of deal that he could make, but rather God said, as a prince, you have power with God. Amen. That's what God had in his mind. And it was God's love projecting to Jacob that brought him there. If I could jump ahead a little bit and say, what is God's love projected to you doing? You were born in sin. You were shaped in iniquity. You came into the world speaking lies. Oh, I was born in the minister's home or I was born in this message. That doesn't make no difference. You're born in sin. That's why you got to be born again. Jesus didn't have to be born again because he wasn't born in sin. He was born first by the spoken word of God. But you are born again by the spoken word of God. You are brought back to your potentials by the power of God in your life changing you. That's God's love projected to you. Amen. It says... See, Brother Brown goes on, he says, And neither was born, neither had done good or evil. He's quoting the scripture, Romans 9, 13. He says, See, it was a thought. And then that thought became expressed, and God brought back Jacob because Jacob alone was seed. Jacob alone had the seed, and that is why he had respect to the birthright and the covenant of God. If you are a true seed, you will hear the word, And the Spirit will baptize you into the body of Christ, filling you and empowering you, and you will receive the word for your day and age. He says, Jesus was the royal seed. He lived in a human body. When the Spirit, listen now, when the Spirit called to him, the word manifested thought, 
He went to Jordan and was there baptized in water. See, Trinity, the Word called to you. The Spirit called to you. How many of you have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? The Spirit called to you. And in obedience to the Word, you went to the water. Just like Jesus did. Amen? He says, upon obeying the Word, the Holy Spirit come upon him, and the voice said, this is my beloved Son. I want to change the emphasis. Emphasis. Well, let me just finish the quote here. He says, the voice did not say, this has become my son. Jesus was the son. The Holy Ghost positioned him as the son before them all. And then having been filled thus, and the same pattern holds at Pentecost and ever after. Notice that statement. He says, that pattern of Matthew 3. Now, Jesus didn't need to be born again, but he showed the pattern. The Spirit called him, obedience to the Word, took him to the water, and the fullness of God came bodily in Jesus Christ. The Spirit calls you, you go in obedience to the Word of God, are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and because of your obedience to the Word, which entitles you to the token, the Holy Spirit fills you because you are a son. And so now I'll make a statement and say, God was making a declaration he declared for the, before the people, this is my beloved son. Or what he's saying is, this is my beloved son. I might have many sons. There might be many attributes. There might be. But this is the projection of my love. Amen. Beloved is a gapetos. This is the results of projected love. Standing right before you. This is my beloved son. In whom I am pleased to dwell. God is making a declaration here. This is the results of divine love. Hallelujah. You'll see a baptism tonight. That's the results of divine love. You receive the word for your day. That's the results of divine love. It's God projecting his love down into the hour that we're living in. He says he went... He says, he went and demonstrated power, receiving the full revelation of God. That's why I say, if the full revelation looses the full power, that's who Jesus was. So Jesus went from there in the full revelation of God and from God for that day. Now we have been constantly saying that the true evidence of being baptized with the Holy Ghost is for the believer to receive the word for the age in which he lives. Hallelujah. We always were sons. If you ever were a son, you always were a son. The Spirit calls to you. You obey the word. The spirit of sonship comes upon the believer. Paul writes writes it in Romans chapter 8. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or in other words, we cry out knowing who our Father is. We know exactly that we come from God, we're going back to God, we were in His mind before the foundation of the world, and by the power of His projected love into our lives, we are coming into the image of Jesus Christ. Because who He foreknew, He did predestinate to be conformed to the image, and who He predestinated, He called. And who He called, He justified. 
And who he justified, he's already glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. I love that scripture. You might notice that. I mention it from time to time. One of my favorite scriptures. If God be for us, who can be against us? Matter of fact, I quote it to the devil lots of times. You might be on my case, but if God is for me, it doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter. You can come at me as hard as you want. I might feel like the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the body of Jesus Christ, but I'm still higher than you are. Amen. Why? Because God put me there. And if God's for me, who can be against me? Amen. The devil has lots to accuse me of. He's a faithful accuser. If he's faithful at anything. I don't know. But he's a good accuser. He's a good enemy. He's a good attacker. Oh, I can just imagine tomorrow morning because we're having a good service. He's going to be on my case again. But that's just the way the devil operates. But it doesn't matter. I could feel rotten. I could feel sick. I could feel down low. I could feel like I'm falling apart. My body feels totally rotten and, and there's no strength in me and there's no life left in me. But if God be for me, who can be against me? Everything else is a lying vanity. So God molds you until you come into the full expression of the potentials that God saw of you in his thoughts. The word is here to positionally place us as sons. The word does not come to make you sons. You already were a son. But the word comes to place you as sons. And I'll say this, not just the spirit of sonship, the Holy Spirit crying, Abba, Father. But we've come now to the full revelation of sonship because position, sonship, inheritance, title deed laid under those seals. And when the seals are broken, then, it, then the revelation of sonship comes to its fullness. That's why Romans 8 says, all of creation groans waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. King James says manifestation, but it's apocalypsis, revelation. All of creation has been waiting for this hour. In other words, been waiting for the time that the seals would be broken. That the full revealing of the sons of God would come on the scene. Because they always were sons. They were sons of God in the first church age. They were sons of God in the second, in the third, in the fourth, in the fifth. Luther was the son of God. Wesley was the son of God. Pentecostals were sons of God. Absolutely there. But they fell short of the fullness of it because the word had not been opened yet. But now in this day that we're living in, we have received the fullness of the revelation of the word of God to take a Holy Ghost believer and loose every power that lays within them. It's going to be so powerful that it's even going to change your mortal body. That's the power. That's the effect of the revelation upon the power of God that's within the believer. See, they couldn't have it in any other age because then they would have had a rapture in that age. Luther couldn't bring the rapture. Wesley couldn't bring the rapture. The Pentecostals couldn't bring the rapture. It wasn't that they didn't have the Holy Ghost. They had the power of the resurrection, but they didn't have the revelation of sonship to loose the full measure of the power that laid within them. You see, you can, we always were sons, but you can only be a beloved son if love is projected to you. 
Because beloved means you're the object of projected love. This is my beloved son. All right. Second Peter chapter 1 says, you could, you could turn if you want to, but it's verse 16. It says, for Peter now describing, he says, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. When, he made, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, but were witnesses, uh, eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Peter says, and this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. All right. So now Peter wasn't there in Matthew 3. When the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm pleased to dwell. But he was there on the mountain. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm pleased to dwell. Hear ye him. Now, Brother Branham says Matthew 3 was a type of the new birth. And Matthew 17 was adoption or placing. Your, Brother Branham says in the, in the message manifested sons of God, your adoption is not your birth. Your adoption is your placing. When we are born of the Spirit of God, we are sons of God, but we are predestinated. Now here's what I'm trying to get you to for the son, this sons of the last day, see, we were predestinated unto adoption. All right, let me just say it this way. You are predestinated unto the full loosing of the power of God in you. You are predestinated to come to your full potentials. The new birth doesn't do that. But God brings his sons into position. All right, now let's take the Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation. Hebrews 12 and 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. See, the word is speaking to you as a child, as a son of God. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. All right? Why is there chastening? Let me, let me just take a step back and bring it into the human realm because Paul types it to the human realm here. We had fathers who chastised us. It's all for a purpose. All right? Now, when we, when we correct our natural children, it isn't because they're not human. They don't become human by our correction. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> they didn't start out as an animal or, a, or an insect or something, and because of our correction, they become human. No, they always were human. All right, let's get that out of the way. Did that surprise you? All right. 
Not only that, but they were always our son. They were always our child. And so because they're our children, we have a right and responsibility of correction. For the Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of the child, but the rod will drive it far from him. Is that the scripture? See, if you don't correct a child then they, and you leave the foolishness in his heart, he becomes a fool when he's older and it's the fool that has said in his heart there's no God. So the object is to drive the foolishness out of the child. It's not to drive the humanity out of the child. Amen? No. And, and, and why is it that children don't naturally become upright, positive human beings? Why do children know how to lie, steal, do bad things without us ever teaching them that. Some of you are smiling more than others. You know your childhood. Nobody had to teach you how to steal something when mom said, don't you take a cookie, we're going to have supper soon. And don't you, don't you touch those cookies. Well, you can have one after supper, but when mom wasn't looking. I'm going to take one and run in the other room and eat that cookie, right? Why is that so? They're human. Why? They're born in sin. They're not the fullness of what humanity was meant to bring. And by natural chastisement, we bring them into a level of character that they can rightly, I'll say, socialize or interact with society around them. We don't want them going into the bank when they're older just saying, you know what, give me $100,000. Because I want $100,000. That's not the right attitude to have when you're older. And it's not the right attitude to have when you're young. We want them to learn how to tell the truth. And always tell the truth. So there's a measure of chastisement to bring them to a level of character. All right. So this is what the scripture is speaking of. Because human life in the natural will tend tend to things of no value. As Paul says in Romans chapter 8. We were born subject to vanity. That is to say, we were not born in a very good condition. So as parents, we know correction brings them to a higher order. Verse, chapter 12 of Hebrews and verse 6. For whom the Lord, what? Loveth. For whom the Lord loveth. For whom he projects love to, he chastens. And scourges every son whom he receives. Whom he loves, his love is eternal. Those that are in his thoughts before the foundation of the world, or I'll say it this way, the beloved of the Lord. Those that are to whom he's projecting his love to, that the end of that love would be, he would be the product of the love of God. And in that love, there is correction, for love is corrective. We've always heard that statement, amen? Verse 7, if you endure chastisement or chastening, God dealeth with you as cousins. No, he dealeth with you as sons. God's dealing with you as one of his own, as one he loves, as one he wants to put his power into and wants you to come to the fullness of the revelation of what it means to be his son. 
For as he deals with you as a son is to bring you into what a son is meant to be. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if you be without chastisements, whereof all are partakers, then are you bastards and not sons, the king says. In other words, you're illegitimate born. You're not a seed of God. You're a seed of somebody else. You're born out of wedlock. You're born out of a true birth. But if you are a son, you shall endure chastening. If you are a son, God molds you with a purpose in his mind. And the purpose is that the potentials that he put in you shall be manifested. That you too shall come to the place that Jesus came to. This is my beloved son. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Or ouch, whichever you prefer. God is a father. And he's bringing us into position. So then if sons... Then we realize Roman 8 applies to us, which we, we don't really have time to get into tonight. But if children, the Bible says in Romans 8, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Hold, Romans, hold Hebrews 12. We're going to come back to that. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together all right now if you go to peter which we already read he said we saw him glorified on the mountain this is my beloved son in whom i'm pleased to dwell hear ye him all right so the chastisement or the correction or the molding of god in our lives is to bring the creature the son, out of vanity and into the real. Out of your idea of what it means to be a son of God into God's thoughts that he had before the foundation of the world. And the manifestation of those thoughts is what makes us a beloved son or daughter. If there's no chastisement, there's no sonship, then there's no connection to the father. Serpent's seed are not chastised. Because they're not the seed of God. They're the seed of the serpent. Though they are born in the same vanity. But it is for the sons of God that he brings this process within our lives. So then Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 9 says, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. I was... Sometimes, you know, people have foolish ideas about the Word of God. Intellectual people, people that are not born again. Because you can't understand the kingdom of God unless you're born again. And someone asked me, I was talking to someone who was witnessing to somebody, he says, you know, here's the question that they bring up. And, and I said, well, the first thing they have to understand is God is God. He can do whatever he wants to. And if you can't humble yourself to that, you'll never understand God. So you can't try and, and fit your paradigm or ideas of, of what love means and what, what justice is and what's right and what's wrong and try and fit God into your ideas. No, God wants to quicken you out of your ideas. 
and bring you into a much higher realm, into the very mind of Jesus Christ. Let this mind that was in Christ be also in you, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And so there's, there's a declaration of the purpose of God in our lives that we must realize he's God. And, and, and Paul says here, we gave our natural father's reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the father of spirits and live? Verse 10, for verily for a few days chastened, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, it's not just talking about holy living here, but that we might be partakers of his nature, that we might be partakers of his power, that we might be partakers of his actions, that he might put us into service, that we might walk on the earth by perfect faith in what the word says we are, just like Jesus walked by perfect faith in what the word says he is. I say, hallelujah, continue the work in me, Lord. As Paul says, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, laying aside the things that are in the past, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. We're sons of God. I, I don't apologize for that. I can't apologize for that. I'm not of the order of this world. I'm not of Satan's Eden. Amen. I'm, I'm not a product of Satan. Satan's idea was, I don't want to be what God made me. But Jesus' idea was, or the the manifestation of what was in Jesus was, I am only what God made me. Amen. Amen. And that's the washing of the water of the word that I want in my life. Let me be all that God has made me to be. Hallelujah. So on the basis of, of God speaking on Mount Transfiguration, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. On that basis, he could say, I and my Father are one. That's what hear ye him is. Hear ye him is, this is my son, my beloved son, the one of the manifestation of my love, and I hope that the Holy Spirit can make that real to you. You're not just a son, but you need to come to the full manifestation of his love. That he's projecting to you. This message is a love letter. It's projecting to you the power of God. It's projecting to you the revelation that brings you into the full measure of the power of God. And, and it's, it's dealing with you as a father that you might be molded in your character. That he might give you more revelation. I have to, I have to really nail this down. I'm sorry. We, we cannot overestimate the value of revelation the holy ghost they had in the first church age is the same holy ghost in the second age in the third age the fourth age brother Bram said in the old testament types of the feast we've been in the feast of pentecost all the way from acts chapter 2 to this present time it's the same baptism of the holy ghost it's the same power if they had a drop of the holy ghost in the dark ages they had omnipotent power what held it back was revelation. And that's why the devil hates the word. Because faith or revelation comes by hearing the word. And if he can stop you from hearing the word, if he can stop us from translating the word, 
If he can stop the bride in some obscure language, amen, Brother Colbus, somewhere in the world, the, the one-tenth of one-hundredth of one percent of the people that need to hear it in their language, if he can stop that, he can stop the power of God because the power of God is loosed by revelation. And God sends the revealing of his word in this hour, the revealing of the mysteries to bring sons of God to who they are meant to be. Hallelujah. You're fortunate. You're blessed because you have it in English. Oh, every message. If you've been in this message for 10 years, I'm going to drop a bomb here. If you've been in the message for 10 years and you haven't listened to every message that Brother Branham preached, I'll say it this direction. You should be ashamed of yourself. Because you're a son of God. You're a dog. Oh, it got quiet in here now, didn't it? Yeah, we, we love to talk about sonship. I'm not trying to be hard on you. We love to talk about sonship as long as there isn't anything I need to do about it. But it's, he didn't just come to you and call you. He quickened you, yes. He, the Spirit called you. You walked in obedience. He gave you his Spirit. But as much of the Holy Spirit, you might say, Brother Tim, I need more divine love. I'll say you don't. I'll say what you need is more revelation to loose the divine love that resides inside you. Which is the Holy Ghost. Yeah, you maybe need more manifestation of divine love. You maybe need more of the, of the expression of divine love or the projection of divine love. But if you got the Holy Ghost, you got an infinite portion of divine love laying right inside you. And God sends his word to loose it. Hallelujah. You've, how many times have you heard Brother Tom say, get into the message. Get into the message. Get into those tapes, Brother Biscoll told him. Feed on them. It's not just, we're not just trying to get you into some education of a message. But God sent a prophet in this hour with the voice of God to bring the revelation to the church. Then quicken every, or loose every son of God from the bondage of corruption. Loose you from the vanity of your natural birth. And bring you into the full measure. Listen, I got a ways to go. I'm sure you got a ways to go. But together, let's move forward. Hallelujah. Hear ye him. On that basis, he could say, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. There's a a tremendous... In, uh, in what the Holy Ghost was given for, there's a, com- a tremendous quote. It's, it's a little lengthy, so I won't read all of it. But it's, it's uh, I think, about paragraph 45 to 50, around those paragraphs of what the Holy Ghost was given for. You can read it when you go home. I'll read you paragraph 48. He said, Now watch what God did when his son was born. He let him go for 30 years, testing him, trying him. Then he gave him three years of hard trial. Then at the end of the hard trial, when he seen that his son was about the father's business, Mount Transfiguration, he took Peter, James, and John, three witnesses, and went up on top of the mountain, and there God performed the laws of adoption. Now a lot of times people get hung up on that word adoption. Don't get hung up on the word adoption. What he's saying is that there he gave him rights to the full power of God. 
In other words, his name on the check is as good as the father's name. So Brother Brown was preaching in adoption. That's what he's preaching in Christ, the mystery of God revealed. We have the purpose of God. We know the mystery of God. The purpose is that God would lose his power that's already within you in its entirety. You're the only people in the only age that this happens to. This is the age. And he sends the message. He's, the message is this word. I love this Bible. Because that's what the message is. I can read the word of beloved and understand it now. I can read what, what agapo, why agapo is different from agape. Because a prophet came on the scene and said when love is projected. Then sovereign grace comes on the scene and produces the result. If there wasn't a prophet that told me that, I'd just be caught up in some Greek Hebrew theology of some sort. But God revealed his mystery through the prophet. And you take this message and shine it upon this Bible, you're going to see who you are. Hallelujah. It's going to reveal the power that lays within you that everybody wanted to live in this age. All of creation's groaning, waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. I, I'm sorry, but I just have to say it again and again. Do we really realize the potentials? Listen, you got no more potentials than Peter or James or John or Paul or, or Irenaeus or Martin or Columba or, or, or Luther or Wesley. The difference is you have the revelation laying right in front of you. You want to lose the power of the Holy Ghost in your life? Get into the Word. Yeah, absolutely get into it. And I'm not saying intellectually devour it until the Holy Spirit quickens it to you who you are. Because when he took the seals off the, off the book, the mystery of it, what laid under those seals was you. Hallelujah. Was me. The revelation of who I am. All right. Hope this is all right. You still with me? All right. He says, they looked up. They seen Jesus. Same quote. He says, his clothes shined as white as lightning as a cloud overshadowed him. And the voice came out of a cloud. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. I'll sit down now and have no more to say. What he says is law and truth. That's hear ye him. That's adoption. That's the full revelation in Jesus Christ. Loosing the full power of God in him. All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Hallelujah. You have a high calling, sons of God. You have a high calling, daughters of God. We realize that we're still battling this flesh. Let's not get so high we forget. This, we got this boat anchor called flesh holding us down. We're as likely to make mistakes as we are to breathe. As John Wesley said, because this flesh has not been changed yet, But that doesn't change the same power that was in Jesus is in me. That's why he went to Calvary. So the power or life in him could come into the church. Hallelujah. Yeah, we should dance. Yeah, we should shout. Yeah, we should get excited. Because this is the reality of it. These are the things that excites the Son of God. As, as the Bible says, where were you when I, before I laid the foundations of the earth? When the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. When God was alone in his thoughts, he saw the sons of God shouting for joy. I just have to believe. I can't prove it, but I have to believe that he saw us in this age. Coming to the fullness of the revelation of the word of God. Hallelujah. 
I got something that the world can't give. And the world can't take it away. Hallelujah. I got something that the world can't give. And it keeps me day by day. Hallelujah. I got something we're talking about. Only, is only Sister Joanne knows that song? Makes me sing and it makes me shout. I got something that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. Hallelujah. That's me. That's you. I'm looking in the mirror. It's me. All right. Let me go on a little bit and then we'll close. We have a baptism coming up. He says in the message, hear ye him, and, and that, the, that was, he, I don't know how many times he preached, hear ye him, many, many times. He says, that's what God was doing here for his son, because he had found him. Hallelujah, he had found him. This is my beloved son. God took him up there on the mountain, brought down the witnesses from heaven, brought up the witnesses from earth. And what did he do? He dressed him in a robe of immortality. His, that's why the fullness of adoption is the change of these mortal bodies. One day, we're going to be clothed in the raiment of immortality. Amen. He says, he says his raiment shine like the sun. Hallelujah. Don't let that scare you. That just means praise our God. Robed him in a robe of immortality and spoke, this is my beloved son. What? I'm placing him and I'm stepping back from the picture this is my beloved son, hear ye him. All right? Pergamian church age. From a little group of the true seed of the word, God will present Christ with a beloved bride. Not just a bride, but a bride who is a result of projected love. All right? She is a virgin of his word. She is a virgin because she knows no man-made creeds or dogmas. All right. Now, I already said, what hindered the Holy Ghost in the church age was creeds or dogmas. Now, if there's no man-made creeds or dogmas and she stands as the virgin bride, that means there's no hindrance to the power of God in you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. By and through the members of the bride will be fulfilled all that was promised of God to be made manifest in the virgin. The members of the virgin bride will love him. They will have his potentials. For he is their head and all power belongs to him. They are subject to him as the members of our body are subject to our heads. Hallelujah. We are subject to him coming to the fullness. I got to press on. Uh, Hear ye him, 1957. For what Moses could not do, what Elijah could not do, Jesus could produce. God wanted to bless his children and he couldn't do it under the law. Neither could he do it under judgment and justice. But the only way he could do it was under the love of his son, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This is my beloved son. This is the result of my projected love. But one place, Brother Branham, and I have it here, but I I won't read it. In one place he says, God worked 4,000 years on that masterpiece. 4,000 years until it was so perfect he had to smite the masterpiece and tell it to speak. All right? Now what's he saying? Hear ye him. You can't hear him if he doesn't speak. 
And so God smote the masterpiece to that he might speak. And then he said, now 2,000 years he's been working on the bride to bring her to the fulfillment of the piece that was smitten off the original masterpiece. For what the original masterpiece was, she is. That he might say to her, a smitten bride, speak. Or in other words, hear ye her. Hallelujah. Not some earthly, mental, humanistic idea of the spoken word, but the character and revelation molded in her to bring her out of the vanities of a birth in sin to loose the full measure of the power of the Holy Spirit within her very life. You see, when, love, when the love of God went out for his subjects, I'm re-quoting something I quoted last time. When divine love is projected, sovereign grace produces the object of the love. God brought his love into manifestation in Jesus Christ and then stepped back. Now for 2,000 years, it's been the love of God in Jesus Christ projecting a bride. That she might stand in this hour and God would say, this is my beloved bride. Hear ye her. I have loosed her from denominational creeds. I have loosed her from man-made ideas. Oh, I'm so thankful not to be in denomination, not to be in some kind of school of theology or something. But God has loosed her entirely that he might loosen her the power of the resurrection. It's been in the church, but it'll become so powerful that they without us cannot be made perfect. It'll become so vibrant as the bride receives the word of her day. You will receive the word of your day. If you're a bride, if you're a son of God, God sends his word to you. And it will make you so subject to the word and obedience to the power of the Holy Ghost in the believer. Can't help but overcome every situation. And the last victory is the victory over death. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't know if you're rejoicing, but I'm rejoicing tonight. I'm enjoying this. I enjoyed studying it. I'm enjoying preaching it. If you're not enjoying hearing it, just bear with me for a few more minutes. Praise the Lord. Oh, I got to read it. I got to read it. All right. No, I'm out of time. I can't read it. (laughs) Okay, I'll read it. (laughs) The masterpiece. So perfected a redeemer of man, so perfect, so godly, yet there was no beauty that we should desire him. See, this isn't a public show. This bride is not a public show. It's in simplicity. God will do things, and if you're not careful, if you're not spiritually minded, you'll miss it. It'll be so supernatural, but yet it'll go right over your head because it'll be so simple that you'll look at it and go, was that God? I'll tell you what, I've seen so many, God do so many supernatural things down through my life. It's like, how could I ever doubt him? And then the devil comes around and says, well, you're not a son of God because you just said that or you just did that or you just, you know, you shouldn't even think those kind of things. You know, he puts the thoughts in there and then tells me I thought them. That's, that's how sneaky he is. But if God be for me, who can be against me? He says, when this virgin-born son of the living God becomes so perfect and humble and in the image of God until the great master who had brought his life up through the prophets, and he was the fulfilling of all of the prophets, he was so perfect until God, seeing this, he smote him and cried, speak. Now, I'm reading this about the bridegroom, 
But he says, you are the present day manifestation of the bridegroom. It's a flesh that day by the groom. It's a flesh this day by the bride. As Brother Branham is speaking of this and the molding and the bringing up through all the prophets and the 4,000 years into such a perfect yet humble image of God. So perfect till God seeing him smote him and cried out, speak. He says, we find upon Mount Transfiguration, there stood Moses the law, there stood Elijah the prophets. All the way back from the from the patriarchs, the fathers, the law, the prophets, all of them standing there. We hear a voice coming down in the cloud said, This is my beloved son, hear ye him. And if they're going to hear, he's got to speak. It was just a few days before he was smitten. This is my beloved son, whom I'm pleased to dwell in. I have molded him. I've been 4,000 years bringing him to this. And now he is so perfect Till I've got to smite him so he can speak. Hear ye him. He's the perfected one. He is the masterpiece. All right? Same message. As it taken him 4,000 years to make this masterpiece, now he's been for nearly 2,000 years making another masterpiece. A bride for Christ. Quickly, let's turn to Ephesians 5. And then we'll close. Ephesians chapter 5. And verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Oh, how God loves to hide things. That word dear is actually beloved. Be followers of God as children who are the projection of his love. It's not just a nice term, dear. You're dear children. You're dear to God. No, you are the results of his projection. You are the recipient. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God For a sweet-smelling savor. Verse 25. Jump all the way down to 25. Husbands, love your wives. Thank you. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. As Christ projected his love to us, we're to project our love to the other. All right? It goes on here. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. That he might present it to himself. The last days a what? Glorious church. A church glorious like he was glorious on Mount Transfiguration. A church coming to the position of hear ye him. A church coming to the full potentials of their being. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And I'll just say it this way. That might hinder the power of God within them. But that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man yet hateth his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Oh, we could spend all day in this portion. Even as, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body. And of his flesh. And of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. What a statement. 
For this cause shall his father say, I'm stepping back. It's all in him now. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife. You think it's only the natural? Just watch. For they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Hallelujah. He's not just talking about natural marriage. The natural marriage is only a type of the heavenly, the, the, the invisible union between the heavenly bridegroom and the earthly bride. It ought to be reflected in our own marriages. I don't believe the rapture, the rapture message is just to leave us with broken marriages. I believe the power that lays in there to lose the love of God is enough power to restore every marriage, every broken home, every child, everything, the power of God. There is unlimited. Let God loose that power within his bride. How does he do it? Washing her in the water of the word. That she might be without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle or any such thing. Hallelujah. That the love of God might be projected through her. What kind of a masterpiece will it produce? The musicians can come. I got a testimony from the last service. And in this testimony, there was, a, because of the subject that I preached on, if love is projected. And I won't mention the people by name, but you would know them if I mentioned them. They're not from here. And uh, they were talking about what I was saying about when love is projected. It came to me on an email. They came directly from them on an email. It said, some years ago, the Lord spoke to me through this message. We were at the bedside of an uncle whom we dearly loved. We had flown to visit him in a certain country. And we lived there for a week in a rented apartment. And every day we went to visit him. I cooked his lunch. We all had lunch together. We stayed with him each afternoon Before leaving home, we didn't know that he was dying from cancer. But the Lord had directed us to visit him quickly. During the night, I couldn't sleep. Seeing that he was leaving without knowing the Lord was heartbreaking. In the afternoon, we spoke to him about the Lord, about repentance, about salvation. It seemed like nothing changed. Nevertheless, we saw that he was moved about some testimonies. He hid himself under the sheet of his bed to dry his eyes. Finally, I was so desperate until one night, I heard a very clear voice inside of me saying, what is that that you have on your bedside table? I replied, when divine love is projected. It was a message book. And then the voice said, what is the following sentence? I answered, grace takes over. An incredible peace filled my heart. I knew God had answered. And the love of God we had been projecting to him made his way to the Savior, and he would save him. The last day we returned to his bedside, he looked at us intensely and said, don't worry. We'll meet up there.
It said he died a few days later. God's grace had taken control. When divine love is projected, sovereign grace comes on the scene and produces the result. Let's stand together. The people would get ready for baptism. Could we sing that song, If That Isn't Love, He Left the Splendor of Heaven? He left the splendor of heaven Knowing his destiny was a lonely hill of Golgotha. You laid down his life for me.
That's the purpose. And it's the purpose to do it in the position he calls you. And when love is projected, sovereign grace comes on the scene to produce the results. Doesn't matter whether it's family members, doesn't matter what the situation is. When love is projected, it must produce the result. Or in other words, when love is projected, there's nothing any demon in hell can do to stop it. There's no power of the enemy that is greater than this power that made even the devil himself. Lucifer in heaven was a creation. God's power creating angels, creating the universe, creating us in this hour to come to a perfect sonship, a perfect attribute of God as Christ was the word made flesh in that hour by the bridegroom. Now it's the word made flesh. Now it's divine love projected by the bride. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? Amen. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that you love me. I'm amazed. baptism as God had already prepared and even delayed from Sunday this moment as Sister Trinity you want to be baptized on Sunday and we just events didn't go that way but God had a moment ordained for tonight to really prove to you and I that divine love is still being projected and the results are still present today amen isn't that just I just that's how good and how perfect and how wonderful our Lord Jesus is tonight for us this is just a special moment, Sister Trinity. As I said, just coming in, I pray you just... This, little, this message tonight was just hand-packaged just for you. Yeah, and you just take this one, and for me, but... Uh, <laughs> no, I, I want this one. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And so I just pray you just take this with you, and all through your journey, you remember this moment here. God just made this for you. And I was uh, thinking, this is... Um, Sister Margaret, God was chiseling out this little special spot in your crown. He's just placing the jewel right now in it. 
And uh, Sister Margaret, you know, I know you all hear things about Facebook and all these different things, but, you know, God harnesses these things. You know, the devil can do what he wants, but God harnesses it, doesn't he? Yes. Because he harnessed it because there was a little transaction that had to happen here. And little did you know, that light that was in Sister Margaret was going to come and start to just witness to you. And not even in much word, but a life just started to project. If I could say love started to project, Amen. you didn't even know it. And, uh, and here through just a transaction of, uh, of just everyday life kind of thing. And, uh, and here it sparks, you know. I thought for you, Sister Trendy, what, what makes Sister Margaret different? And here through that, we're standing here today. Isn't that incredible? You don't even know. You're, you're clickety-clacking on your little keyboard thinking you're buying something in the marketplace. But God has an ordained moment. Amen. And little do you know you're, you're putting a connection out there because someone needs to be in the tank. And that was Sister Trinity. Isn't that incredible? And I was thinking about how, how in, a, in a moment, and I just thought of a scripture as, as uh, we go back in the scripture in Acts 9. And it says there, as it, as it was Paul, just b- before he was converted, the scripture says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul. And there God was calling to Saul. Saul was going one direction, bent in a direction that he thought was right. Amen? Did you, Sister Trinity, you were heading on in a direction that you thought was about right. Nothing was going to detract you. Nothing was going to delay you. But he was going to put a, a sister of God that had the pillar of fire inside of her in her way. Amen. And God was going to speak through her. And it's taken you and you're now completely saying, Lord, I want to go a totally different direction. Amen. And that's here we are having another a, a moment, a, a Paul moment. I, I wrote in my notes, a life altering, a soul charging. And that was my keyboard saying i wanted to say soul changing uh, spirit changing and put charging i thought well that works too soul charging <laughs> amen and that would be exactly what happened with paul it charged him and i pray that's what happens as the lord just fills you today sister trinity and you go forth soul charged amen for his kingdom amen amen that brother brandon he says he says paul met jesus one day he met him face to face on the damascus road and I pray this is your Damascus Road experience. As God, you meet him face to face, he becomes a personal God to you. Thank you. Amen. Do you want to say anything? Totally up to you. I'm just ready to uh, be baptized today. Amen. 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 The devil tried to stop us on Sunday, but you can't stop God. No. no. Amen. It was a delay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it was perfect. It was divine timing. Amen. So everything was good. Amen. God bless you. We pray. Heavenly Father, what a joyous moment, Lord, it is that we can stand here. Lord, as your word, as we heard today, as your word would go forth, Lord, and seeking souls which would be saved because a seed, Lord, was placed in this little life, Lord, long before the time even began. And Lord, and then love would then be projected by a word of this day. And Lord, grab a hold of this soul, our sister Trinity. Lord, through a, a daughter of God just seemingly going about her business. But Lord, isn't that just how it is as you anointed us, Lord, for this day as we would go about our business. But Lord, it's about our Father's business. Mm-hmm. Lord, and we pray this, this evening, Lord, that you would indeed take our sister Trinity. As, Lord, you took... Paul on the road to Damascus, and Lord, you, you interrupted his very life, you interrupted his very desires, you interrupted his, 
his, his direction in life. Lord, you've interrupted Sister Trinity. Lord, I pray you take her. You transform her, Lord. You, you completely change, Lord, her desires. Lord, everything that she is, she's been going in, in, in a certain way, Lord, as Paul turned around and went another back, Lord, and just followed your every lead. May, Lord, Sister Trinity do such the same. Her desires, Lord, her thirst, Lord, would always and only be for you. Lord, I pray this moment, Lord, that you would, Lord, so descend and so, Lord, transform and fill her, O God. Lord, that's what your scripture says. Repent and be baptized in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. There, Peter, Lord, showing the very exact way, Lord, and it continues to say, Lord, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we pray, Lord, today that, Lord, that sweet presence, Lord, as a dove would come here, vindicate your word as we heard tonight. And, Lord, that your word still says it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, Lord, we commit Sister Trinity and her decision, her desire to follow you now in Jesus Christ's name. Sister Trinity, we have confess that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. Amen. Amen. You've repented. Amen. You said, Lord, I'm following you. My whole desire is for you. Amen. And upon that confession, that Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. I baptize you in true Christian baptism. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. All my life you have been faithful. Oh, the presence of God is so powerful right now. If you're a believer, you got the Holy Ghost and you say, Lord, I need more divine love. Why don't you just surrender to God? Say, Lord, take away all the man-made ideas. Take away all the bitterness. Take away all the strife. Take away everything that hinders your love from projecting to me. If you're here tonight and you don't have the Holy Ghost, you just say, Lord, I need the Holy Ghost. Lord, I believe your word. I want to surrender myself completely to you. Come down and fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord, and project yourself through me in these last days. God has one final purpose, to bring a people into the very image of the seed that went into the ground. We're here now. It's not a far off. Brother Ram says, don't look for some revival somewhere. He says, they were crying for revival back then in his day. And he says, they've missed what God has done. It's the awakening of the bride. Hallelujah. May the word fully awaken us and pour himself through us, cleanse us, wash us in the water of the word to stand spotless without blemish or wrinkle in his sight that he might project his power through our lives hallelujah aren't you glad for that I love you Lord for your mercy never fails me all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I
Heavenly Father, King of kings and Lord of lords, author of eternal life, we thank you. Once more we see played out in front of us a soul that the Spirit drew. And in obedience she came to the waters of baptism that you might fill her with your Spirit, O God. We pray, O Lord, that you quicken her with a mighty quickening, O Lord. Let our sister, O God, be set afire with the Holy Ghost. Wherever her life takes her, wherever, Lord, she is every day, may people know that she's not the same person she used to be. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. I pray, Father, even in the midst of your church, take away every man-made creed. Take away every hindrance of ideas, of human ideas, oh God. Take away everything you sent, a pure message. Lord, that we might be washed in it, oh Lord. That we might receive the full effect of your word in our lives. And we lay our lives down. We surrender afresh tonight. Say, Lord, let your love, that all-powerful force that you put in us by the Holy Ghost, let it be loosed in our lives like never before. And may it change circumstances all around us. We give ourselves to you. We give this service to you. Bless your people. Let there be a great atmosphere in our lives tomorrow. Oh God, wherever we go, may there be a great something moving, oh God. It's not a public show, but in simplicity, oh God. May it be something, O oh Lord, that changes things. For these are your people. These are your ordained, mature seed that will display you, O oh God, above all else. We give ourselves to you. Bless this service. Bless your word, we pray. As we give it now to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Oh, my life, you have been